0: Welcome to week 42 in the Resilient Catholics community. This is all about self-images and our parts this week. I'm Dr. Peter. We are in this Interconnections talk, self-images, parts. We're going to get into it. We're going to get deep. But let's just walk it back a little bit to last week, week 41 in the RCC. We're going to do a little review all about God images and parts. We made the distinction between a God concept and a God image. And remember, a God concept is what I profess about God. It's my intellectual understanding of God. A God image, on the other hand, that's my emotional and subjective experience of God in the moment, who I feel God to be in my bones right now. The critical thing to remember is that God images are are always formed experientially. They flow from relational experiences and also how we construe and make sense of those relational experiences when we are very young. You don't choose a God image. That's really important. Your God images are formed into you and you can't just simply will a God image away. It's not subject to the direct impact of your will, to the sheer force of your will. But you can create conditions which change your God images. One thing we discussed last time was how whole religions are formed around different God images, self-images, and also the image of the relationship between self and God. And when a part is not in right relationship with your innermost self, those God images are always distorted. We really are looking to create a safe and secure environment inside to work with God images because those are often some of the most intense, grief-ridden, anger-ridden, sadness-ridden, anxiety-ridden types of zones within us. Once we have a deep understanding of how parts see God, we can work with them in a different way. I want to talk about the other side of the coin though, and that's self-images. I'm going to make a parallel distinction. Remember, we talked about God concept and God image. There's a parallel with self-concept and self-images. Your self-concept is what you intellectually believe about yourself, who you profess yourself to be, what you understand about yourself, your mental construct of yourself. And the self-concept of a practicing Catholic, for example, likely includes something along the lines of being a beloved child of God. Right? So you see there's this parallel between the self-concept and the God-concept. Both are chosen, both are embraced as true. That's what we sanction. And these God-concepts and self-concepts generally go together. They harmonize. So, for example, if a faithful Catholic believes and professes Jesus to be the good shepherd, that's a God-concept, a way of understanding Jesus that we embrace, he or she will likely freely embrace, at least intellectually, an identity, a self-concept, as a little beloved sheep. On the other hand, we've got self-images. What are self-images? Self-images are who you feel yourself to be in a particular moment. Self-images are much more emotionally driven. They're much more intuitive, much more subjective, and they vary much more from moment to moment. Self-images go together with God-images. They impact and complement each other. And self-images can flow from God-images. They can conform to God-images. But our self-image also impacts our God-image. We need examples here. This has been kind of high-level, theoretical, definitional. Let's get down to brass tacks. I am going to take four examples of different God-image, self-image pairs from the book Mistaken Identity, Clear Up Your Image of God and Enjoy His Love by William and Christy Gaultier. You can see their work at soulshepherding.org. The statue God, the critical Scrooge God, the heartbreaker God, and the party pooper God, right? We're going to discuss how God images and self-images go together. Let's start with the statue God. So when there's a statue God image, God is, is felt to be remote, distant, unfeeling, stony, cold, indifferent, disengaged. God just leaves me to my own devices. He doesn't care. He's not going to help me. He doesn't want to help me. Uh, And now we get into more of the self-image stuff, right? I have to manage on my own because God doesn't care. Therefore, I'm not going to try to engage with God because it won't make any difference. Where can this come from? Well, children whose parents are so self-absorbed that they offer little to their children, at least emotionally, relationally, the children realize that the parents will not meet their needs, so they try to depend on no one. What can happen in that kind of environment at home is that There is an exile who carries the burden of isolation, an isolated part who feels so alienated and alone, so disconnected from the rest of society, different from other people, not included in any group or community. That part carries the burden of abandonment. Isolation may feel very lost, very alone, may wonder if God even exists or if he cares about you. So you can see statue God images are often held by exiled parts who, who carry the burden of isolation. Those folks have a self-image of being not important to God, not being God's beloved son or daughter. Rather, being dispensable, being ignored, things like that. Managers can also have this kind of God-image, self-image pair. A do-it-myself manager may believe that she has to do everything herself. She works hard at getting tasks completed, follows schedules, plans, organizes, everything to make things work out. And this part is often rewarded by others for being low-maintenance, handling the demands of day-to-day life. And she may try hard not to need anyone else This is often a primary manager in a person's system, especially when a person is really driven to get a lot done. Again, statue God, remote, distant, unfeeling, and the self-image, God is not going to help me. He doesn't love me that much. He doesn't care. I have to manage on my own. I'm not worthy of God's love of his attention. He just isn't that invested in me. Let's take a look at another God image, self-image pair. This is the critical Scrooge God. Now, in this God image, God is highly critical. He cuts me down with disparaging remarks. He's got a condescending attitude towards me. He tells me that I won't make it. I won't succeed. I just won't be able to rise to the challenge. I can't even become minimally acceptable to him. God doesn't extend himself to help me. The self-image that goes with this is that I'm never good enough for God. I can never satisfy him. I feel like I'm no good. I struggle with shame. I feel so inadequate. God gives me the minimum amount of help so that if I did things just right, I might succeed, but I never can hit that mark. My efforts are never enough. And parents who are critical can foster this God image in little children. The other thing is, is that when parents have very are very hands-off, if they're very laissez-faire, if they leave the child to come up with his or her own standards for life, his or her own code, that code is often untempered by mature judgment and can be unreasonable, not tempered by maturity, not tempered by wisdom. And critical Scrooge God images with these never-good-enough-for-God self-images are what drive so many demanding internal critic managers. These are the ones that try to protect you, keep you on the straight and narrow, demand uh, demand unrealistically high standards of acting, thinking, feeling, and especially loving. There's this pressure for near-perfect performance in untidy areas, such as loving, all in an effort to try to win God's approval, to avoid disappointing God. And this can lead to lots of attention to minor details, rumination about past mistakes or perceived failures. So there's the sense that God is chronically disappointed. That your efforts to love him, your efforts to love your neighbor are not good enough. And you can see how the God image, the critical Scrooge God image goes with this self image where I'm never good enough. The internal critic is responding by trying to become good enough to protect the exiles that carry the pain of that kind of religion. Third, let's talk about a heartbreaker God. Now, this God breaks promises, he raises my hopes high, then he dashes them back to the earth. He draws me in to trust him. And then when I start to need him and seek him, he is nowhere to be found. I put my fragile self in his hands and he, teach, and he treats me casually, carelessly, thoughtlessly, and I get hurt and wounded. So that's the God image. And with this God image, I feel like Charlie Brown running up to the football the heartbreaker God is like Lucy who yanks that football away at the last second and I wind up on my back wondering why I ever trusted God again. Why does God treat me this way? Why does he not have mercy on me? Why does he not care for me? Am I not his consistent and am I not worth his consistent and unfailing care? Why will he not let me depend on him? Why won't he be consistent? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me that God won't love me consistently? Why does he pull away? These are the questions that fuel the self-image that goes along with the heartbreaker God image. And this God image can, can develop in childhood when individuals have experienced deep disappointments and intense grief with little opportunity to process through their losses. This can happen, for example, to children whose parents divorce In this situation, children are always aware at some level of the degree of conflict between their parents. And so many children pray with great intensity for their quarreling parents, longing for peace and stability in their homes. They hear that all things are possible with God. But in the end, it feels like God just breaks their hearts too because their parents divorce. They go their separate ways. There's often conflict. There's little consideration of what happens in the children's lives because the parents are often wrapped up in their own intensity, their own parts. And so this can have a real powerful impact on an exiled part that carries a sense of abandonment. I often see abandoned parts. These are parts that carry the intense emotional pain and distress uh, and the weight of abandonment and isolation, feeling victimized, frightened, hopeless, needy, deprived, lost. It, the experience often is not very well differentiated. A lot of times these parts cannot describe very well what they're feeling because they're so young. There's, so much of this is hard to articulate. These parts can have a very diffuse sense of identity, feeling very hollow, questioning their own existence, and can bear the burden of Neglect you know, the heartbreaker, God, you're here for me, but you're not here for me. And then also firefighters can come up around this, especially feisty protectors. Feisty protectors who greatly desire you not to be mistreated any longer, who want to set protective limits and boundaries. Anger, anger fuels this, right? The anger can fuel this limit setting and justice seeking in intense ways that can harm relationships with other people and harm the relationship with God. The part... This feisty protector is very focused on the preservation of your integrity, the preservation of your dignity as a person has a deep sense of justice and injustice. And this part can try to protect you from an unfaithful God, from a heartbreaker God image, right? So you can see again, you have this self-image and God image pair going together. And I want to discuss one more, the party pooper God image. The party pooper God image is really a downer. Very depressing, very downbeat. He's pessimistic, he's disapproving, he's unhelpful. Keeps giving the message that your efforts aren't going to work, that you're not going to succeed, you won't make it no matter how hard you try. Your hopes and dreams are foolish, you're dust and ashes, you're not going to amount to anything. God also seems unconcerned about the effects that these messages may have on you. That's the God image, party pooper God image. The self-image of those who have this God image is characterized by hopelessness. I don't feel worthy of having a God-given purpose in my life, of having a special plan. I don't understand why God wants to shut down good things when they just start to happen for me. I don't know why life has to be so hard. The person feels very singled out, dumped on, feels very disconnected from God. Like he doesn't really understand how his negativity affects the whole system. Low motivation, low levels of hope, a fear of hoping for fear of being disappointed yet again. And it's not uncommon for this kind of God image to develop when there is significant depression or anxiety in the family of origin, either in the parents or in the child himself or herself growing up. Those with a melancholic temperament might be more prone to develop this kind of God image. It's also not uncommon when children have struggled at different points of separation and individuation from a lack of attunement by the parents. So a shame bearer is really one that can often have this party pooper God image. A shame bearer who questions whether you are acceptable to God, whether you're loved by God, whether you're even ontologically good, right? The, The self image can be that impacted, The shame bearer bears the burden of relational wounds and attachment injuries. She believes that she's failed, that she will inevitably continue to fail, can see you as fundamentally inadequate relative to your peers in one or more areas of achievement. The shame bearers harbor deep beliefs of being stupid, inept, untalented, ignorant, lower in status, less successful, and less lovable, right? Unloved and unlovable, so you can see how the, the self-image that is uh, dominated by a shame bearer, how awful that is. And that can reflect back up through the system to a manager who is a pessimist, right? A pessimist who wants to prevent you from experiencing the pain of disappointment, having your hopes dashed again. This part dwells on negative perceptions of life, sees your situation through a gloomy lens of suffering, pain, loss, grief, resentment, internal conflicts, and regret, Right? When considering the future, your pessimist is likely to focus on unsolved problems, potential mistakes, all the possible ways that things could go wrong, de-emphasizing the positive or optimistic aspects, focusing on the negative. Because potential negative outcomes are so exaggerated by your pessimist, there's going to be this chronic worry, watchfulness, dissatisfaction, and indecisiveness And your pessimist has very little felt sense that God's going to help you with your troubles. So again, you see that party pooper God image, how it impacts the way that parts see the self. Now, whichever part happens to be blended with you at any given time, that part is going to bring his or her God image and that God image is going to be dominant that part's also going to bring his or her self-image. And that self-image is going to be dominant. Some parts may have little sense of God. They might not be very concerned about God, much more concerned about self-image. Other parts may have very little sense of self-image, might be much more concerned about God, and the God images might be much more powerful. So what are we to do, brothers and sisters? What is curative here? Well, in a word, what is curative is love. We have to tolerate being loved. And I talk a lot about that in the Interior Integration for Catholics podcast, episode 99. We have to be able to experience love and then love God back. Love others back, but also love ourselves, right? We have to model some of this love for our parts. It's a big focus of the advanced RCC cohort. After you complete year one, you have the opportunity to go into the advanced RCC cohort. And a lot of it is focused on love, love of God, love of others, love of self, and being loved. All right, so that's it for for this Interconnections talk. I will see you on the other side for the experiential exercise. Look forward to connecting with you then. Take care, God bless.